Joining us on the show right now is Chris Wilner, a longtime friend of the Racing Boys. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good, buddy. How are you guys? Well, I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, how's your voice holding up, by the way? Uh, so far, so good. You know, you'd think with 1,700-plus entries and uh, some really long days, it would be gone by now. But uh, we're rocking and rolling. It's New Year's Day. Nothing better than celebrating 2022 with you guys and uh, the final day of the Tulsa shootout. So I'm rocking and rolling. You know, you've got a really good team down there, don't you? I mean, between – I think the chemistry is so good. Uh, between you and Caleb, and then when you add Clinton Boyles in there. I think Clinton Boyles, uh, you're around a lot of analysts. Uh, I think Clinton Boyles is just about as good as as they get when it comes to analyzing, explaining, uh, giving you a little insight as a driver. Uh, I think Clinton Boyles is really good at what he does, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, an absolute gem when it comes to the, the really descriptive um, analysis of what's going on, not only on the racetrack from a driver's perspective, but the mechanics behind these race cars. I mean, you hear it time and time again. He's able to explain certain aspects of what makes the cars go when we look at incidents on the track, what you know, control arms and things on these race cars do to help them uh, perform at their highest level. And he's able to really um, explain it in a way that the average fan that, you know, even including myself, that doesn't have a lot of mechanical background in things, can really understand and, and make sense. And so you don't find that in a lot of uh, driver analysts. You know, they like to take the race car driver approach of what's happening on the track. But Clinton Boyles has that relationship with a lot of people here and in the up and down the pit area as well as just the mechanics of the race car and his knowledge as a crew chief, you know, on the sprint car side of, of, uh, of the aspects of the race car that, you know, we not talk about a whole lot. So it's it's been an absolute pleasure to work with Clinton. He's, he's an utmost pro. And I told him, I said, if your driving career ever, you know, you want to hang it up, uh, there's a spot in the broadcast booth, and uh, I think the rest of us are worried about our jobs if that's the case. Yeah, no no doubt about it. I, I think he's exceptional at what he does, and he's going to be a crew chief instead of a driver. The, the thing about uh, about Clinton Boyles is, is he's a very talented race car driver, but he's made the decision to be a crew chief, and, and some people are a little bit caught off guard by that. Yeah, you know, a little bit. And I think, you know, over the course of the week, he's kind of explained it in a way that, you know, makes sense to a lot of us that have ever stepped foot in a race car. Is You know, being a race car driver and trying to make a living, it's really, really tough nowadays. You look at the money that's involved and the support from sponsors and, you know, trying to make it happen each and every year. It, it can get exhausting. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously Clinton is a super, super successful race car driver over the course of his career. But I think he's looking at the longevity of, of his place in the motorsports industry and really trying to find where his passion lies. And over the course of the last several years, he really has enjoyed working on his own cars. You know, back when he was running with Paul Hazen, learned a lot from, you know, wrenching on a sprint car, and that's really transitioned to his passion of kind of being on the crew chief side. So, you know, don't get him wrong. He's always going to – or he'll never turn down a ride in a, in a race right. car. But I think he's really enjoying – the mechanical side and making the decisions of uh, what's best for the race car and and trying to pick up wins on on the other side, too. Uh, We're visiting with Chris Wilner. He is an MRN employee. He does IMSA as well. Tell me what you're doing over there at IMSA now. Are are you the PA guy for for the IMSA races? I am, yeah. And it kind of just happened uh, relatively quickly there at the start of 2021. Uh, looking for a new PA voice, and I've been working on some of their stuff on the digital side during the week when I wasn't on the road with MRN, and 
you know, the way the schedules line up between NASCAR and IMSA, you know, IMSA doesn't race as frequently. And so there's little holes in the schedule where I won't be on the road with MRN. And I had an IMSA race open and they brought me on to uh, work the PA. So getting to see some unique racetracks, you know, never thought I'd go to Sebring, never thought I'd go to Laguna Stake out there in Monterey, California. And uh, it's been a, it's been a new challenge for sure. Cause you know, IMSA is a complete 180 from the dirt track and, and NASCAR Holy world God. that I'm used to covering, but it's been a pleasure and uh, obviously has added to uh, what my repertoire is uh, on the broadcast side. Yeah. Hey, Chris, uh, is there a driver, you know, I, I look at Christopher Bell and things haven't been really going his way this week, right? I mean, I, I, has he even won a race this week? Uh, he hasn't, no. He, he's made the qualifiers in, uh, I know, the wing cars for sure, and I think he had one non-wing qualifier, but he, he's been uh, not the Christopher Bell I think a lot of people expect to see. You know, there comes a lot of pressure, right, with the name Christopher Bell inside the sexual sure. raceway. I think a lot of people expect him to win each and every time on the racetrack, and it just shows the level of the micro-sprint uh, community in, the, in this series that has kind of upped their game to where, you know, now there's guys uh, night in and night out able to run up front and compete you know, and beat Christopher Bell. And, you know, talking to him a little bit this week, uh, didn't seem as down as, you know, maybe I thought. You know, I know he's pretty Mm -hmm. hard on himself and wants to uh, obviously go out and dominate each and every time he's on the racetrack. But I think at the same time, he's understanding that, you know, this event is getting harder and harder each and every year. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where he's trying to adapt to the change of the micro sprint world. And so um, certainly he's, he's competitive and we'll see him up front, obviously, here today on championship Saturday, and he's already locked into an A-main as well, trying to lock in a couple more. So don't ever count him out. But, uh, yeah, you know, oh, the, sure. the tides are turning a little bit from the domination era. I think he's only got two two drillers when it comes to micro racing. I I don't even think he won his first yeah. driller in a micro until after he won maybe two Chili Bowl drillers. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. At least one for sure, because he kind of joked about that on flow uh, earlier this week of just about kind of the, you know, you think it'd be the other way around, right? You've been running this race as a kid and all of a sudden you're having success at the Chili Bowl level, which is, you know, the next step and not at the micro level, but the Chili Bowl success is kind of translated to his comfortability in this building. And I think, you know, once you get one, it takes the pressure off, you know, right a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think that kind of transition, especially the year after he won that first one, kind of snowballed into his micro career but you know at the same time he's not a full-time micro sprint driver he's got a sunday day job and uh tries to dabble when he can so you know we see guys like blake on as well say if you don't run these full time you know it's hard to hop in this building and and be quick out of the gate although you know we saw blake this week set the world on fire so um but yeah absolutely It's, it's interesting how that's happened you know one driver that's really stood out to me is emerson axum he 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 seems like he can rip the top maybe better than anybody I've watched this week. Am I wrong, or or do you think the same? I mean, he has really been able to rip the lip. He really has, and you know he's he's ripping it on a on a track that you know we still haven't seen a monster curb just yet. But he's basically taking what the tracks give him and runs 110. percent You know, Clint Boyle's talked to his dad Joe. You know, he's back on the wrenches for him here this year at the shootout, and you know his dad's like. You know, it's up to us because we know Emerson's going to go out and he drives the thing as hard as he can every single time he's on the racetrack. And I think even Emerson said this is the hardest he's ever had to drive the micro around this expo raceway. So he's, he's got no fear. And I think it's part of the youth movement we're seeing in open wheel racing right now. Just these kids and then youngsters just with absolute uh, guts when it comes to wheeling these things around this racetrack. And it's hard to run the top gear, but he certainly makes it look easy. 
What, hey. what driver stood out to you, uh, Chris? Is there one driver that maybe stands head and shoulders above the rest that, that you've been paying attention to this week? Well, I think if you look at just from all-out speed, I think Craig Rock has certainly come out of the gates with Brad Campbell on the wrenches in the 94 uh, car. He's, he's, he's not only been fast, but when he's been buried in a race, he somehow finds his way to the lead and then goes about three seconds ahead of the rest of the field before the end of a short 10-lap race. So he's able to drive through the field and maneuver, but also have the longevity speed to uh, pull away. So I think he's been the most impressive from a speed standpoint. But I've been a big fan of Neil Allison this week out of North Carolina. I know I'm a little biased now that I live in the Charlotte area. I've been up to Millbridge <laughs> several times as uh, their track announcer. But, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience here, but we've talked about him every race he's been on the racetrack. And he said – this place terrified him when he first walked into the building and thought his nerves would take the best of him. But he's been able to uh, lock into all the qualifiers and uh, been up front. We saw last night and uh, put himself in, in a good shot to lock into a couple A mains for uh, what should be his first time in the big show. So I've been impressed with him just from a development standpoint. You know, it was funny. I was watching that uh, uh, package they put together with Chris and he said, that he told Millbridge that if if they would bring micro racing, that he would support the racetrack. You think he had a big influence on bringing micro racing back to Millbridge? One hundred percent. I think it, it really you can point the really the start of the movement down there to Christopher Bell. It was an outlaw cart facility that you know was fantastic for the outlaw cart side. Had the KKM give back when when it was run with the outlaw carts. But Christopher Bell said, you know what, this micro program, what I grew up racing is big there's not enough of it down here and i really think it's going to develop young racers in in a different but maybe even a better way than some of the kart racing down here and ashley and jeremy burnett who do a heck of a job transforming that facility from what it was into an absolute mecca and gem of a racetrack and they listen to him you know he's a good friend of the family and uh it, it started a wave and it started with maybe 10 cars topped a weekend now it's we're getting 40 cars on a wednesday night i mean a middle of the week show you're getting 40 micros which to some, you know, may seem so small, but for the Southeast, that's huge. And then we saw over 100 cars last year at the end of the year. So um, I, he's definitely the one that started the movement, and I think his passion for micro racing has trickled down to everyone that's, that's joined in the movement down there at Millbridge. Yeah, go ahead, Kurt. Hey, hey Chris, uh, talk about, has there been any major crashes this year that really stand out in your mind? There's been some, <laughs> There's some been flips a lot out of there, them. but kind of kind of highlight some of the some of the big scary crashes that you've seen so far this week. Oh my goodness! So I think uh, I believe it was Austin Stone was was the first one I saw test the hay bales out there in turn three. You know that's a very scary uh, part of the racetrack if you can go you know, full speed and, and locked up the front end and uh, hit the wall head on. So it was good to see him okay. But honestly, it's been uh, relatively not, you know, I'm going to, of course, jinx it here on Saturday. But besides right. maybe a few uh, into the fence where we've had some rep fence repairs, it's been relatively tame. You know, a lot of single car spins, maybe some Tommy tip overs, but it's uh, been relatively tame this year, even though the flip count's already well into the middle 50s, close to 60 here at this point. So, um I don't know where that stacks up overall. I think the record I asked Caleb is 73 for the flip count, so we may get close to that. But it just feels like it's been a lot tamer. I think the aggression is there, but also guys are, are really learning how to save these race cars. Hey, one other driver I wanted to ask you about is Ryan Timms. We watched him this past year uh, win a lot of races in some pretty major 
events this year. Young driver stepping up, and uh, he's had a pretty good week so far, has he not? He has, and, you know, he's, again, a part of that youth movement, and, you know, we saw it here this year with the Chili Bowl reducing the age limit, uh, opening the door for Orion Timms, who's been, basically, this has been his breakout season. He's won some huge races, including the Trophy Cup out there in California on Saturday night, and, uh, you know, he's kind of a name that, you know, I've heard of him before in the micro ranks, but it wasn't until he took the jump to the sprint cars and, and having a part-time run there with chat boat industries and the midget that really launched his career winning some power eye stuff as well so he's been a driver that coming into the building i think a lot of people uh heard about him but certainly know his name for sure uh as we hit championship saturday he was one of the 18 able to lock into all of his qualifiers which is an incredible feat in itself let alone making the features so uh yeah. ryan Timms is certainly a guy uh, they call him flying ryan for a reason super fast and uh i think you know if he can have a successful run here it's going to catapult you know, his outdoor season when it comes to getting back behind the wheel of a sprint car and a midget. Hey, you know, one person we didn't mention and really pleasantly surprised on how well he is adjusted to a micro car is Kyle Busch. He has really looked good in that micro, hasn't he? Oh, he certainly has. And, you know, it's funny, you know, you think these NASCAR guys that come and try something for the first time, you know, I don't know, they kind of get a negative rap on Twitter and Facebook and things that I've seen saying, oh, they just want to come down and you know, put their dominance on. But Kyle, from day one, since he stepped into the building, said, I just want to be a student and learn about dirt because it's something that I feel like it's lacking in my, you know, arsenal of ta- as far as talent. And he's really been uh, a student of the game. And, and, yeah, he shocked everybody going eight to first there in his first ever heat race. And, obviously, the Tulsa shootout and, you know, Chili Bowl and anything under this building, Scott, you know as well as anyone as well as Kurt, that it will humble you quick. And so when it came to the stock non-wing, going backwards and kind of getting shuffled down in a, in a lower main. He said, I'm not having any fun anymore. But I think overall, it just showcases that it, the natural talent of guys like Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, to adapt uh, is something that, you know, you can only see on a national stage, and you'll see it right here at the shootout. So you know, uh, he's got you know, some I, work to do, though, but it, it's still fun to watch. You know, I tell people all the time that NASCAR drivers are really way more talented than people give them credit for. Uh, you don't race at that level without talent. You're a champion wherever you came from. Um, it, it, really, those guys are as good as they get, right? Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it takes a Kyle Busch to come to the shootout for you to really understand and see that because, you know, besides the Kyle Larsons and Christopher Bells and even Alex Bowman here lately, we don't get to see many of them, you know, outside of their element. But uh, Kyle put yeah. – everyone on notice that he can still wheel anything that moves and we saw him even do some off-road stuff as well right after the cup series race in phoenix at the end of year so uh racers race that's the old saying and kyle's is certainly one of those that'll do anything he can to keep fresh behind the wheel all right we're talking to chris wilner we better let him go it's about ready to kick off here in about one minute chris before we let you go any predictions of today's action do do you see somebody coming out on top that we haven't thought about you know, you guys pretty much hit all the heavy hitters. I think the talk in the building is when it comes to a couple of the races, uh, you got to look at the Ronks, the Emerson Axons, and then, you know, Jonathan Beeson. We didn't really talk about him much, but, you know, that gateway performance oh, in the Dome, granted it was in a midget, he is coming to this building with so much confidence in everything that he drives that I think he'll be somebody if he can put himself in position 
uh, would be hard to beat, especially when it comes uh, into that outlaw wing division, which was taken away from him last year, you know, on a penalty. So he's right. fired up, and, it's, and he told me earlier this week he's not forgotten about it. So look for Jonathan Beeson to kind of play spoiler here. And, and, and listen, there's nobody that rolls the bottom better than Jonathan Beeson. No, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. And don't, All right, Greg, don't, don't sleep on throw. Blake Blake Hahn. Keep an eye on him. He's yeah, my pick sure. tonight. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, be one of two guys to go 10 to first in his heat race and high point man and non-wing. So I think Blake Hahn will be the one to watch and probably have the race to lose, really, in the yeah. outlaw non-wing. But when it comes to wing, look out for Jonathan Beeson. Yeah. Okay, Chris, thanks so much for being on the show with us this morning, man. I know you got a busy day. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate everything you've done. We're so proud of you and where you went in your career, man. It seems like it was just yesterday. What year did we hire you? Oh, nine. Uh, I think it was 2010 was the first yeah. one. I remember it was the last year, whatever the last year, it was the all radio broadcast. I remember Blaine Culp called me and said, Scott trailer was looking for somebody to help out. And my first, and, uh, I said, yeah, I'd be willing to do it. We got in touch and, and look at, look at us now. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Listen, Chris, you're the best, bud. We're very proud of your accomplishments. Congratulations. Have a good Thank call today, my I really friend. Thanks, Chris. Right. Thank Thanks, you, Chris. Chris. You're welcome. See you guys. All right. See Take you. care of Flow Racing. They're starting their broadcast right about now, I think, right? Get well, the live feed can... up and going. Yep. Is that the live feed up there on that one TV over there to the right? No, nah, that's still a tape. That's from last night. We still. can flip it over. We'll flip it over during commercial yeah. break. So, okay. Anyway. All right. Well, we're at the top of the hour. We're going to take a commercial break. We'll be back with more of Track Talk. It's all brought to you by Lucas Oil Products. It's, you know, Lucas Oil Products is made in America, sold to the world. That's the great thing about it. Uh, it's an American product. Worst Lucas, a truck driver come up with his own product and look what happened now we've got a great speedway down in wheatland missouri look soul speedway and they've been great to us for the last 12 years so we want to thank uh, brandon bernstein dave wanzer forrest lucas everybody over there at lucas soil products that supports the racing boys for all these years we're going to come back with more of track talk in a moment stay tuned 